0: Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. My name is Nick Waxman and today we will be listening to an interview with Matthew Lutton, director of Bliss, playing at Malthouse Theatre in May. You are listening to part two of the interview. If you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Let's get on with the interview.
1: Do you feel that the audience will experience a catharsis the audience will I think experience a catharsis because uh, what Peter Carey has ultimately written is quite romantic it's a pastoral it's a return to nature so Harry does uh, in the end of this story um, it's the the symbol in the show is honey he learns how to make honey and that means he learns how to plant trees for 30 years Uh, that will grow in the right way so the bees will harvest the right pollen, which will create the right honey. Like he learns to slow down. He learns to do one thing that will take 30 years to manifest itself, which I think is a very beautiful thing to learn. Um, uh, So that in many ways is a catharsis for an audience because um, he's a very problematic character that finds a way to be useful. Can you talk us through the costume, set, sound and lighting design? I can. You have a little bit already. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the set design um, is very simple and very complex at the same time. So the set design is a, a 1980s room because it is set in the, the stories in the early 80s. Um, and in the middle of the room, there's just a whole lot of chairs and a revolve um, and a glass house. Uh, and we essentially create the whole show using all those elements. And each of the five acts, we rearrange those objects in different ways to tell the story. So sometimes the chairs are scattered and the glass house is spinning on the revolve. Sometimes everything's lined up very neatly and the revolve is still. Um, but one of the major features is the glass house is a bit of a magic box. It's like a portal because it has, when you turn the lights off, it goes completely dark and you can't see into it. And we can change inside it without the audience seeing and as soon as we turn the lights on we can reveal something new. Uh, it gets really tricky because we can also revolve with it at the same time as turning it on and off so suddenly that's where the magic realism comes in. We can um, make things appear and disappear very quickly inside a magic glass house. <laughs> Beautiful.
0: Uh, what, why or how does the design manifest some of those
1: themes if it does? In many ways it looks at the idea of hell being other people and just seeing things from a different point of view, that you can always choose to see. It's the same object, re- like every layer of hell is the same objects rearranged, meaning that nothing's actually changed. It's just seeing it from a different way. And so you can choose to see hell or you can choose to see heaven based on where you position those objects. So I think that the theme of um, choice and denial uh, and how you tell the story play out in how we set up the objects.
0: The creative team for Bliss is the same as the team you collaborated with for Picnic at Hanging Rock, Elephant Man, and Away. Could you talk about the significance of working again with this team on Bliss?
1: Um, working with the same team often allows us to um, uh, go deeper into the ideas. So it means that there's a, a shorthand between us when we're creating. And it means that um, we can often access more dreaming. Like a, this bit play is probably the most um, surreal out of those plays that we've got, we've created, and to be able to work with a team where you have to come up with strange, wonderful, eccentric dreams on stage means it's often quite uh, personal, and you got to trust each other to go into that area. So I think um, we're able to uh, access that sort of strange hallucinogenic Australia uh, because we've already got a vocabulary setup of working together and what are we going to be seeing in bliss that we haven't yet seen in your other works it is a different show uh to away and elephant man and picnic hang rock um in that it's it's got a lot more comedy in it i haven't created a show which has got a uh, a sense of laughing out loud loud more frequently there's a, a greater dark humor all the way through bliss um it's also um it's there's more theatrically, there's more layers going on in Bliss. A lot of the um, particularly Picnic and Hanging Rock and Elephant Man were very clean shows. Like every, it was like one image per scene and then blackout and then a new image, blackout, a new image, blackout. And both those shows used very clean image making. This show is about overlapping, so it's usually got three images all happening at the same time. It's a hotel room plus a house plus a dance routine happening over the top of each other. So uh, I'm creating dreams in this show by multiple things happening on stage at the same time which is not something I've done in those previous shows. You're saying there's dancing, like chorus, like ancient Greek
0: chorus, style, unison, movement, or just dancing?
1: Um, there's, I'm talking particularly about there's a dance number in the middle of the show when Harry's in the mental asylum. So uh, there's a big dance number when uh, Harry's supposed to have lost his certainty. He turns into an infant, basically. He re- regresses back to childhood. Um, and the way that we make Harry lose control and feel like he doesn't know what's going on in the world is there's a big dance number that he doesn't know the dance to. So everyone else is incredibly good at it. Uh, and he feels incredibly infantile and, and ashamed because he is, has no uh, vocabulary to join the dance.
0: Okay. No connection to ancient Greek, did <laughs> uh, And finally, can you tell us what teachers and students can expect from the design presentation that you will give on the Merlin stage
1: for Bliss? Um, at the design presentation uh, for Bliss, um, I will talk through the design essentially from the beginning of conception to the end so i'll talk through uh before we even had a script the set ideas we had i'll talk through some of the ideas that failed and didn't work and that we tested out um and i'll show some of the pictures uh from those early ideas that we aborted and then i'll talk us through uh when we did arrive on the idea of the five layers of hell and the revolve and glass house and how we then started to detail all of that um i'll Talk through, likewise, with uh, the costume design. And then because we'll be in the theatre, I'll start to show some of the lighting states of how we... sculpt the piece through lighting, and I'll start playing through some of the sound design so we can actually hear the design separated from all the other elements and sort of analyse that in the theatre. Having you in the room, in the ears of
0: young people that are directing, I thought I might ask you a question very separate, about a little bit
1: about your process. Sure.
0: Two or three or four things that they might consider doing before
1: entering that first rehearsal. Some things I would think about before starting a rehearsal. I would always plan before I start a, a rehearsal where a scene begins and where a scene ends. Uh, and I mean spatially. I would always plan uh, how that character or actor walks on stage or where they are when the scene begins and where they are when the scene ends because then I feel like you're always you're filling in the middle. Uh, it's very daunting if you don't know where the scene's going to end. But if you know that the scene starts with someone pushing over the table and ends with them walking out the door, you've got a map <laughs> and you can start. Um, I would also always know, always work out as a director what I think the most important line of the scene is. Uh, and I would try and make that the most memorable line in the scene. And my trick to doing that is then make other things less memorable. <laughs> but it's the principle of highlighting something if you want that to be important make it stand out and you can there's that's the creative choice how you make it stand out is, is your interpretation but then don't make other things stand out make them less important dial them back so that that thing pops out. Two fantastic tips. Okay, uh,
0: is there anything else you'd like to say about Bliss or about the production, or about your process uh, that you'd like to share with
1: students of Victoria? Um, uh, look, I'm, I'm really excited to be bringing Bliss to the stage. I think Peter Carey's uh, story is one that has a lot to offer. I think it's exciting to be looking at Australian stories that aren't sentimental but quirky and comedic and wild and dangerous Um, and I think we will have a lot to um, entertain but also a lot to think about
0: thank you very very much for being here today no worries thanks for having me To find out more about Bliss, please go to au. If you would like to keep listening, please do, or you can go to our episode bank where you can find a whole range of episodes that might pique your interest. That's all from us at The Aside. If you would like to contact us, please do so at asidepodcast at outlook.com where you can ask us a question or give us some feedback. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here and to Aaron Zell for providing the music. And thank you for listening.